Hi, I'm Mike. And I'm Dave. And join us every Thursday for a new episode of Two Player Bros, a podcast about two guys who play way too many video games. Join me and Dave as we talk about the latest in Xbox, PlayStation, PC, and VR news, previews, and reviews. We have it all, and we play it all. And join us every other week for Post Game, where we play through and dive deep into our favorite modern classics and new releases. That's Two Player Bros, available every Thursday wherever you get your podcast. part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Attention, culture consumers. Join me, the queen of queries, Sarah O'Connor, and my band of nerdy knights. Colleen McMillan. Flo Siegel. And Anders Drew. On Bohemian Geek Studies, where we take extremely dorky dives into our favorite fandoms, especially that Star Wars galaxy far, far away. Listen each week as we examine the stories that mean so much to us. Bohemian Geek Studies is available wherever you get your podcasts and is proudly part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Ladies and gentlemen, please notice that exits are conveniently located at the front and rear of this auditorium. When leaving the theater, we suggest that the exit at the front of the auditorium will allow you easier access to the parking areas. Thank you. Forgotten Cinema is now looking for a new co-host to join myself, Mike Field, because Mike Butler's a bitch. Creator Revenge is coming. This is my town. Oh, no, Which is, I would love you, to do a James Bond. I'll, I'll do it right now. Cancel the other podcast. You son of a. <laughs> what about all these women? These are all women, beautiful women. Where are the regular women? <laughs> and he's like, it's Los Angeles. Is this the movie that's going to end the show? It's going to end the podcast because <laughs> this movie, like, I cannot, I cannot tell people to watch this movie. Like, I will not. This movie is not good. You get the hell off this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take it to the limit one more time. Hello, I'm Mike Butler. And I'm Mike Field. And you're listening to the Forgotten Cinema Podcast Season 9, The Season of Summer. Each episode this season, we are highlighting a film that had a coveted summer release date, but for a variety of reasons was forgotten or straight up ignored by audiences. Whether it was because it was pitted against a tentpole film or was given a limited release run to fill out a studio schedule. We'll discuss what we love about the movie or maybe don't love about it, but we'll always recommend you revisit it. If you enjoy our podcast, we want to hear from you. We're on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Find us. Our podcast is available on all platforms with a backlog of over 100 episodes for your listening pleasure. This is it. The end. We've ended our themed season. Oh, I thought you were ending the podcast. Uh, well, this spoiler is alert. <laughs> this is my two-week notice. Uh, two weeks. I'm out now. Uh, yeah, so that's it. We finished Forgotten Summer. Uh, it is now... August? August? It's now August. Sorry. I, I know we talk often that we are ahead of the game here, 10 weeks ahead when we record. So yeah, it's kind of trying to figure out. So it's August. It's first week of August, right? Yeah, summer's starting for us now, but it's ending As for we us record. here. In, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and Forgotten Horror will be in the middle of the summer. <laughs> I know, that's, which is always weird. We, we record our Forgotten Horror episodes like in august really like the beginning Rachel, of august, always, yeah. yeah really strange really strange well that's how we roll here at uh forgotten cinema studios with the studio now <laughs> all right so let's get it off we are doing the movie titan ae and before i get into the facts let me tell you what it's about okay <laughs> titan ae takes place in the distant future after earth has been obliterated by a mysterious alien race known as the dredge kale is a human teenager who has been given a mysterious map by his father, leading him on an unforgettable journey. Yeah, I guess that's a very broad strokes. It is pretty broad strokes. <laughs> I mean, I was going to I actually cut off the first sentence of the 
synopsis because it dealt with how the movie was made, which I didn't want. I want to get into later, so I wasn't going to bother with that now. So Titan A.E. has a runtime of 94 minutes. It's rated PJ. Production budget of $75 million. It was released on June 16th, 2000. The Aught. Uh, opening weekend, it did $9.3 million. Domestic, 22.7. And then worldwide, 36.7. So obviously a big flop. Big flopperino. Big flop. As they, as they say in the biz. Uh, look it up. They say flopperino. <laughs> Production company is Fox Animation Studios and David Kirshner Productions. Distributed by 20th Century Fox. And we'll kind of get into this. So there's some behind the scenes stuff that we need to get into for this. So as I said, it came out on the 16th of June, to, uh, the year 2000. It also went up against Shaft, Samuel Jackson Shaft, Boys and Girls, and Fantasia 2000. I would assume that Fantasia 2000 is probably its uh, competition main here. competition. And then the following week, the 23rd of June, you had Me, Myself, and Irene, and Chicken Run, which is very good. And again, it's competition. And then I wanted to find another movie that would compete against it in terms of animation for kids. And that is on the 30th. You had The Adventures of Rocky and Bullwinkle. Now, I know it's not a very good film, but before it came out, people probably wanted to see it and might have taken attention away from this film. Sure. And then the week before, June 9th, you had Gone in 60 Seconds. Not a lot of stuff coming out uh, in the month of June in terms of not how they do it now, where it's all jam-packed with, you know, you know, three or four films. I mean, you had a Jim Carrey. You had Nicolas Cage summer movie there. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Well, you're also... Leading up until the July 4th uh, opening weekend, which I don't even know what came out. I should have looked. All right. So this movie is directed by Don Bluth and Gary Goldman. Now, Don Bluth is obviously very well known uh, in animation circles. He's done The Secret of Nim, An American Tale, and Anastasia. He's holding The Land Before Time, All Dogs Go to Heaven, Thumbelina. Uh, uh, he, you probably have seen a Don Bluth film in your life. Gary Goldman was the other director. As I said before, he had done Rockadoodle, which I believe Bluth did as well, and A Troll in Central Park. Story by, we got a lot of story and screenplay credits here, everyone. Story yeah. by Hans Bauer and Randall McCormick. Bauer has done Anaconda, Komodo, and The Flock. And McCormick has done Speed 2 Cruise Control. Ooh, good movie. Good. It's not terrible, but you're, you're right. It's not, it's not great. <laughs> Scorpion King 2, Rise of a Warrior. So I guess Speed 2 now looks pretty good, huh? Scorpion King 2 was The Rise 2000? of a Warrior. No, this is, I don't know if we did it in 2000. This is, oh, this is just his thing. Yeah, yeah. right. All right. Screenplay was written by Bed, Ben Edlund, John August, and Joss Whedon. They all had a turn. Edlund has done was is actually the creator of the Tick series. So he's also he's done the, he created the Tick comic. He's worked on both series, even the one in the nineties and the one that's now is it still out or they canceled? Oh, uh, they canceled it. it. Okay, and, I mean, you can still watch it. He's also worked on Supernatural, the TV show Angel and Gotham, both all TV shows. John August has done Go, which was an episode we did in season five. He also did Charlie's Angels, Dark Shadows, and Big Fish. Joss Whedon, uh, obviously you probably know who Joss Whedon is. He actually was nominated for an Oscar for writing for Toy Story, and he's done Buffy the Vampire Slayer TV show, Firefly TV show, Serenity the movie, and probably nothing else for the rest of his career. Uh, composer <laughs> by, uh, composer is Graham, Graham Revel, or Revel, excuse me, Tim Semenek. Uh, Revel has done Gotham TV show, Deadcom, The Crush, and From Dusk Till Dawn, and Simonek has done, or Simonek, excuse me, has done the TV show Happy Days, some episodes there, and he did uh, Hard Target, the John Cloud Van Damme movie. He's also, he's more of a conductor now, so he has a lot of credits that are up to date and more close to 2021, but it's more of just conducting the orchestra that is, you know, playing the composed music. Right. Edited by three people again, Bob Bender, Paul Martin Smith, and Fiona Taylor. Bender has done Anastasia, Ark, and Through the Mobius Strip. Paul Martin Smith has done Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. I don't know if you've heard of that, Butler. I don't know what that movie is. He has also done the 2005 version of Venom and London Has Fallen. Fiona Taylor has done Anastasia and American Tale and All Dogs Go to Heaven. I think she has done primarily blue films. 
Uh, Bluth produced this. Goldman produced this as well. And obviously, I said David Kirshner. Kirshner has done all the Child's Play movies. I think he's credited with creating the doll of Chucky as well. Really? Yes. <laughs> he's also done Hocus Pocus and Frailty. I'm not sure if he's doing Hocus Pocus 2, which I know was just announced. Uh, Goldman has been trying to do, and Don Bluth has been trying to do the Dragon's Lair movie. Dragon's Lair, the movie. Right. Um, that's still in pre-production. So. I'm really surprised they have never made that yet. I don't know if people really, I know, I mean, I, there's great respect for Bluth. I just don't know if we've, you know what I mean? Like he's obviously a much older man. I'm, you know, people don't really tend to revere older people in the, in our generation. So, right. You know but I mean? I'm surprised they, no one's taken that IP and just kind of went, oh, sure. Go ahead. Oh, I hear you. Yeah. I hear you. So we got Matt. These are all voice talents. So Matt Damon is the voice talent of Kale. Yeah. Now I should have I should have prefaced this. I have done credits here that are all for voice talent credits for these people. Oh, Not, cool. Yeah. All right. Because yeah. so I, I wasn't. I just didn't know these. Some of these people are Academy Award winners. Some of these people are Academy Award nominees. But we are not going to reference that. The only person that all, does not have any uh, uh, voice credits at all is Bill Pullman. So anyways, Matt Damon is Kale. He is Spirit and Spirit Stallion of the Cimarron. Ponyo, he played when they dubbed it over for the English version. And obviously he's come, uh, this is not a, he's in Stillwater that's coming out. So apologies. Bill Pullman has an ID4, Spaceballs and While You Were Sleeping. He plays Corso. Drew Barrymore is Akima. She was a voice talent in Beverly Hills Chihuahua. And she's also obviously, that's her only other voice talent role. She's also an E.T. in Scream. John Leguizama is Goon. Uh, he's from Ice Age. Fish and Chips, the movie, and Walking with Dinosaurs. The movie's title is Walking with Dinosaurs 3D. I don't get that, but anyways. <laughs> Nathan Lane as Preed. He's obviously uh, from The Lion King. Stuart Little and Astro Boy. Gene Garofalo as Stiff from Kiki's Delivery Service. That's another when they dubbed it over the English. Ratatouille and The Wild. And then we have a couple of people here. Uh, Tone Loke as Tech. He's in Fern Gully, The Last Rainforest, Baby's Kids, and Whispers in Elephant's Tale. Alex D. Linz as Young Kale. He's the voice of young Tarzan in Tarzan, and he's also in Home Alone 3. Ron Perlman as Sam Tucker. He's worked on Battle for Terra, Tangled, and Go Fish. He's one of the bad guys in Tangled, the uh, twins. Jim Brewer as the cook. He is in Bling and Zookeeper. And Roger Jackson as First Alien. Why do I have Roger Jackson in here, Mike? What do you think voice talent he did? I don't know. He is the voice of scream the guy who calls on the phone for scream oh is he yeah awesome yeah, yeah. so he his credit is just first alien which i don't know whatever whatever alien will show right. up and talks. Yeah. yeah all right so you pick this movie right uh and i had seen this movie and i know i wasn't a huge fan of it and i kind of know why i'm not a huge fan of it but there is a lot of behind the scenes stuff uh with this yeah film. i noticed that yeah so i don't know how you want to kick this off where you want to go well first of all i found your july movies uh okay go the ahead. kid came out early july so that's going to Kill Your Family audience as well. Also Scary Movie. Mm-hmm. Also Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Also X-Men The Week After July 4th. Also What Lies Beneath. Also Nutty Professor 2. Yeah, but those aren't, those aren't, I'm talking about, yeah, I get that. But like Nutty Professor as a kid probably would relate to kids, right? Is that PG or PG-13? That's PG-13. Yeah. Yeah, kids were seeing that. There's a Thomas the Tank Engine movie that also came out. Hey, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Something that always struck me about this movie, and the reason I, one of the reasons I wanted to put it on the list, is I'd only seen it the one time as well. Okay is that I remember the hype for this movie being that it was a new kind of movie. It wasn't mm-hmm. just for kids. It wasn't just for adults. It was an animated movie that was supposed to be this family action movie that was supposed to be like this new kind of summer kind of blockbuster that could happen. Gotcha. You, you weren't just a kid's movie. You weren't just a movie for adults. And I remember that's how they packaged it. That's how they marketed it. That's how the articles like Entertainment Weekly were saying it was. And... Obviously, it was a huge commercial failure because I don't think you can do a movie like that. I don't think that's possible to please 
everyone in the way that they were trying to in Titan AE. Right. I th- and we're going to get to this probably in our, I, I know we've been doing Just bonus episodes yeah. uh, in conjunction with this. And we're going to talk about films that are geared towards adults and children. But yes, I think when you're trying to do that, I think it's very difficult to do. But when you're doing a movie that's for kids and you want to have elements in there that appeal to parents, I mean, I think that has to come, that has to be natural. That has to be organic within your storytelling. Right. So I think if you're focusing on that, that's kind of probably where you would falter. Now, we talk how Don Bluth and Gary Goldman are directors, but they were not the original director. So Art Vitello was fired after 18 months and $30 million into production. So Bluth and Goldman agreed to come on, and they only had 19 months to finish this movie, which is a, for an animated film is extremely tight to the point where they had to, in addition to this happening, Fox Animation Studios started laying off people because they were, they were making cutbacks. Right. So some scenes in this movie are outsourced to other studios, other animation studios. So for instance, in the scene where he's, which I do not understand this plot point, he just decides to start taking the ship and, and joyriding. And they have the wake angel scenes where the wake angels right. follow him. That was done by reality check studios. And then the Genesis scene, which is the scene when uh, at the end, when the Titan starts spinning around in a crazy earth, that was done by blue sky studios, which is obviously from Connecticut. And they, uh, right. they what ended up happening was that after this movie, because poor sales, because um, you know, it just kind of, it, it was the second flop in a row. Right. After Anastasia, or Anastasia. Right. And Fox animation studios, shut down all these they basically went and third partied the rest of their movies like ice age and what was the other movie they did robots and other films to blue sky studios right you know, but fast forward blue sky studios just shut down too so disney know. don't want it <laughs> that's fun, right, fun, fun fact disney's got their own animation studios i don't know if you heard about them <laughs> but they're walt disney and pixar they're a pretty big deal <laughs> this movie also was the last straw for uh, Fox Studio had Bill Mechanic at the time because Rupert Murdoch was upset that Mechanic greenlit Fight Club. Which is ridiculous. Exactly. Because Murdoch did hated Fight Club. And he was mad that Mechanic, you know, said, yes, let's go, we'll do it. And obviously it became a hit. So he really couldn't get rid of him. Then this came out and it was a big flop. And it was his reason. It was basically his excuse to be like, take a hike. You can't do this anymore. So this so- you think Fight Club made it Rupert, Rupert Murdoch mad because it was anti-rich uh, people? Yeah, well, <laughs> boohoo, right? <laughs> uh, so, th- I, I guess I, it's tough for me to come down on this movie. My, I guess my whole point of this diatribe of information is that it's tough for me to come down hard on this film, just because I really can't lay it at the feet of of anybody if you only had a certain amount of time to finish it and was already in trouble. It just it just seems ridiculous how quick they were able to put this movie together. Well, when, when I read that fact, when I you like, watch the film, it, it doesn't seem ridiculous when you're what you see on screen. Because I don't, I am not a huge fan of the script in this movie. I'm not a huge fan of the dialogue. Uh, it, it needed more. Well, yeah, because it's rushed. But I mean, it's still impressive they were able to put it out. But yes, yeah, it needed more polish. It needed more time. There were there were lines in the movie, and there were like scenes and dialogue scenes where it was just like Kale is so obvious in his refusal to uh, of his accept like of his journey of his fate of his right. destiny to be the to to take this like the really called the writer's journey when the the main character refuses the journey in the beginning and then he accepts it and he becomes the hero of the story right he is so obvious in that refusal that it's almost like they've got 
the writer's journey on the screen, uh, on the wall, wall as they're writing. Like, okay, and then we just go here, and what's next? And he's going to say this, this, this. And he's going to say, I don't want to do this. And then the girl gets captured, and then he's like, oh, well, maybe she really did care. Yeah, it, it's very, it's, I get it. These have to be in films, these moments. These, these are how you interact with audiences, sometimes how stories are told. You know, you can also make a case for rules are made to be broken. But regardless of that, it, it's your job to kind of hide them better. And I don't think and maybe because there's three people working on the script and and maybe even five, uh, there's un, probably uncredited rewrites. There's probably changes being made. They're trying to just get it done. You know, I can understand that and I can't really just be too critical of that. But it's definitely something that I when I was watching the movie, it was just kind of like, eh, I'm not really a huge fan of this. The underlying story is is good and interesting for like an animated film. But yes, the, the dialogue and the characters and the, the character arcs are all pretty bad. Uh, and including not just Kale, but um, Caleb as well. Uh, you're talking about Corso? Corso. I don't know why I call him Caleb, uh, but Corso as well. Yeah. I think that his story, his, his turn, his heel turn is really just out of nowhere. Yeah. And it doesn't come about naturally. And then his turn again at the end yeah is also just kind of just like at this point you've had stuck on right at this point you've had like five or six examples of just lazy uh plot points and plot driven dialogue and and that it's almost like yeah of course he's gonna help go ahead kid of course he's gonna be okay yeah as soon as you see him on the ropes it's like all right he's coming back to help people right or help them and just the reveal of corso being bad, oh, like it's you're super openly lazy. yelling in, yeah, your, in like, your own shit with the door open. It. Yeah, <laughs> the hell who out there. there. Yeah, so dumb. Uh, the other thing that uh, I wasn't a huge fan of, and I know it was like the big reason for this movie, was the mix of animation styles. I did not like it. I have differing notes as the movie goes on. Like I like this, I don't like this. The thing that I said in my notes later on was it felt a lot like. Love, Death, and Robots on Netflix. I don't know if you've watched that. I uh, do not watch that. It's it's really good. I, I definitely recommend it. But it's <clears throat> that's one TV show where it's all different, you know, little stories and little animation houses doing their own thing. Mm -hmm. But obviously, this is one cohesive movie. But it really does feel like they're trying things out in every scene. Like the ice scene looks great when they're... The ice scene does look good. But it's way different than the scene, like you said, in the nebula with the wake angels. It's way different than the ships taking off from Earth. And it's way different from the uh, dredge battle uh -huh. uh, later on. It, it Nothing really flows. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like an interesting choice. But I don't know if that works to its advantage or its disadvantage, because I think it takes you out of the movie. I think if you're going to be aggressive and you're going to be ambitious in that style, that probably hampering your production team with a limp with a time limit uh, in terms of how to get it done and a limited uh, availability of funds and people and cut then you're you're cutting their legs off and you're not letting them see the vision i'm sure i wonder if the vision of combining the two animation styles was probably something far greater than what we saw on screen but fox animation studios didn't give them the chance right and honestly, I'm a little surprised because Don Bluth is not known for that it, leading up to this point. Oh, like, yeah. He's you know what I mean? Cohesive kind of. Yeah. He, he's all hand drawn. He's not, you know, you're asking him to do something different, which I'm curious if 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 that was something that he struggled with or Goldman and him struggled with. Or if it's something that they wanted to do. I mean, they threw out everything that came before. So mm -hmm. like, except for maybe the scripts. Maybe. Yeah. I don't I don't know. Uh, I just I wasn't a huge fan of the of the mix i didn't think it worked it took me out of the movie and also can we talk about how every time they show the main 
dredge guy that I just think I'm watching ID four. Like I just think <laughs> I'm watching independence day and like that same one shot of take, the alien, take the little dude inside the big dude, but make him electrical. Yeah. I, I, and I know that they offer, uh, they offer up an explanation as to why the dredge are attacking the humans, which is what Akima says, but I don't buy that. I don't buy her reason. Like, I don't know why the dredge is attacking the, the, the earth and human race. Oh, see, I really, I've always, that's one of the things I've always really liked is that reason the dredge are attacking humanity. That's just something Akima tosses out. She is, that's not but you also any get kind that of fact. narration as well. Yeah, no, there's no exploration of that. And I didn't remember the movie ending with the dredge all being destroyed. Mm-hmm. I thought they, I was pretty sure they pretty much opened this movie for sequels and the dredge were still out there. Well, I do have a note that they left the, the fate of Corso and Preed up in the air because they were, uh, there was an idea that the story would carry on. There's right. A, there's actually three prequel novels. Uh, I saw that. Yeah. yeah. So there's three prequel novels that were written by Kevin J. Anderson and Rebecca Moesta. Uh, Titan A.E.'s Kale story, Titan A.E. Akima story, and Titan A.E. Sam story, which is Corso, right? That's his first name. I Sam. believe yeah. so, yeah. And that just goes into the explanation of, I think what Kale tells you what happened to him after he left Earth. With Akima, I believe it, cho- it talks about the drifter colonies that, you know, Kale is apparently racist against drifters that you don't really know why. And then I feel you- like he was brought up around hu- uh, all the aliens that were racist against humans. Yeah. So he's kind of also got his own bad view of his own. People. Right. So Akima's story is more about growing up in drifter colonies with the human race. And Sam's story deals with them hiding Titan, uh, the, the the ship in the ice, which. Okay, that's great. It's a novel, so I'm not going to take the movie to task for this, but how'd you forget where it was? (laughs) True. (laughs) But that's fine. So, yeah, there are – I definitely think there are fascinating tales you could tell within this story, and I would be okay if they revisited this. I just think the story needs to be better than this movie. It needs needs to be touched up. It needed more work, and it didn't didn't get the – the work it deserved. I mean, this could have been a really ambitious project. It was an ambitious project. I'm not saying yeah. it wasn't, but this was something ambitious and interesting that they should have taken more time with. Mm-hmm. And I think that cutting off the heels of your first director and then throwing away $30 million, obviously at that point, you're just kind of done with the project. Right, right. You get it done, get it out. I'm wondering how bad that original project was shaping out to be. I don't know. I mean, the guy that was the director, I think it was like his only, his first or second directed movie. I think he's done everything, anything since. I think he's more somebody who's worked with an animation. Right. I think he's actually worked on the same movies that Bluth and Golden worked on. So they probably came in and helped out because he was his buddy and they just took over. But Hey man, they're firing me. You want to come out and help like the good old days? Oh, I couldn't do a bit of fun like a chew. This is not, a, I don't think this is an animated movie for your first time. You know, no matter how long you've been in the no, business, I think no. this needs someone like Blue. This needs somebody like uh, Goldman. This needs somebody who has experience. I think this needs somebody with a steady hand and somebody who has a clear vision and saying, like, this is what we're going to do. Because this movie is put together as if it's just like, let's get it done, like you say. Yeah. Let's put it together. Like, I also am not a fan of the music video moments where we we, we no. I, I, I no. really like that super early 2000s. I don't, I don't like it at all. I'm like, what are we doing here? Like, I love the fact that we're going to hide. Here's a, here's a pop point. We're going to hide in. This is the wake angel scene. We're going to yeah. hide in this cloud. This is a good place to hide. Yeah, take it for a joyride. I mean, but now you've exposed yourself in the open space. Were they hiding? I thought they were, I just thought they were on their way to. I had uh, no. They were place. hiding in this cloud. I don't. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know. The joyriding scene was. Dumb. I I like the soundtrack. The soundtrack itself. I was like, this soundtrack kind of slaps. I liked it. Okay. Um, but yeah, but I think that's also something. 
I don't think that music is meant for kids. I mean, not that that I'm like, we're not listening to rock music back then because that's the music I used to listen to. But I think that that's, there's a lot of stuff in this movie that is not interesting to kids, but there's a lot of stuff in this movie that's too cartoony for adults. Like this is also a movie that's probably geared towards young boys an animated film to geared towards young boys. Right. Oh yeah. Say that. Uh, I don't think that's a recipe for success. You know what I mean? No, you got to have stuff for, you know, girls as well. well and, it should just be universal. Yeah. I think when you specific, I mean, I, <sighs> you got a Kima. She's yeah. a strong female character, but she doesn't get a lot I, to do. I mean, the action, I'm talking about the, the music, the action, the space stuff, the, you know, all that, like that's generally, I mean, it just seems like it's conceived for young boys and you know, they didn't, they don't care. They didn't bother to show up or something like that. I don't know. I think you, you market this movie like it's for adults. I don't. Yeah. That's a mistake. And adults are not coming to an animated movie. No, not at for least them. not in the year 2000, maybe <laughs> not, not, now? not unless it's anime, not unless it's an, it's an IP. Ugh, anime. Yeah. That's like, you know, that's something that's more adult based, more adult, Adult animation is obviously more violent, more sexual, uh, stuff like that. That's what adult anime, that's what's going to get adults to animation, not something like this. This needed to go either really dark uh, or like I remember, you know, what's funny is I remember watching. I don't know if anyone remembers out there. I used to obviously I was a young boy back in the early 80s. used to watch uh, G.I. Joe. Yeah. And then G.I. Joe had a movie and like in the movie, Duke dies. And yeah, it was just like, oh, my God, like nobody ever died in G.I. <laughs> Joe. And it felt like I was watching something that was for older people. And it was just like it it was such it was a little foreign to me watching it, you know, just kind of like the how it's so realistic. And right. Yeah, uh, so it, the, even then I was just kind of like, I don't know if I like I was like, oh, I like this. I don't know if I liked that. Like the the just watching things that I always knew as a child. And now it's, I think I still have the GI Joe uh, on VHS, but <laughs> um, yeah, it, it just something that felt very weird to me. I, he comes back anyways too, which is so lame, but you know, you killed him. Back. You killed him. It's like they killed uh, Optimus in one of the eighties. Yeah, but, he's, but he's not a, he's a, he's a, ro- he's a robot. robot. He's a machine. He's not a person. But I, I don't I see I don't know if darker is the way to go because you look at a movie that came out not long after this which is the Final Fantasy movie mm-hmm. with Alec Baldwin and but that animation that sucked but that animation wasn't see I get the animation style was completely different it yeah. was grown up it was real people I was like oh man you could just replace actors with these digital creatures yeah um, but that movie wasn't good because it was too dark it was too serious it's like I watched it going this is not but it's it, not like Final Fantasy. There's no action, but it's also not fun. But I guess maybe give Final Fantasy uh, kudos for making that choice. Like, I don't think here, I think they're trying to tow it like we talked about when we opened this. Oh, for sure. They're, between adults and, co- and kids, they're trying to tow that line on both sides. And that is definitely a recipe for failure. It's either go all in right. for adults or go all in for kids. I mean, like I can uh, I can excuse the weak dialogue and the weak story, the plot points in an animated film is for kids because I understand the audience, even right. though I have made the argument on this podcast before that Pixar does it so well that I, you really shouldn't excuse it anymore, but right. you know, I'll excuse it. But when it's, if it's for adults and it's gotta be written more, excuse me, it's gotta be written better for adults. Right. No, yeah. you've got to have more yeah. in there. You've got to explain yourself. You can't just cut away different things. Right. Like there's the scene um when they're in Titan and Stith just appears 
after the fight with Corso and Stith is already like buddy buddy with them. It's like yeah. there's as far as they knew, these guys were the bad guys or Corso's the bad guys. Stith has no idea what's going on. Yeah. And then she's like all in. And I'm like, there should be at least one moment where it's like, hey, I'm here, guys. Yeah. There's some something. Yeah. And like, you don't get any of these moments. No, I, there's no there's no development of any of the supporting characters. I could not stand Goon. I could care less for Goon. I liked Goon. No, I don't like Goon. But First here's the thing about Goon. Goon is way too far into kid type um, well, characters. Well, Goon's supposed to be super smart, right? Yeah. It, super eccentric. Super smart. But he can't figure out the... The the device he made, yeah, that the thing, and then Kale comes in like, oh, it's just this, and da, da, da. like, there's a lot of stuff in this movie where Kale's like, I'm gonna, uh, uh, we're just gonna do this, and we're gonna do this, and it's done. Like, like he's, for instance, when we meet Kale, right, he is slicing up space junk. That is his job. When we meet Kale as a child, he's building his own robot. Okay, fine, but when we meet Kale as an adult, he's slicing space junk. Which no one's giving he, a human a job. A okay, job. fine, so. But you don't show me like he's still building stuff. You don't show me that he still keeps right that. tinkering. And so then all of a sudden he shows up to Titan and he's figured out how to. T- oh, you know what? They're made of pure energy. The dredge. I'm gonna make the couplers be able to enhance. The- like what? What are you doing? Yeah. How are you doing this? Like, eh. see, I thought the perfect example of how you could fix that. And I thought about it even like when the scene happened, when the gravity uh, gravity engine goes off in his station that he's on. It. He fixes it. Yeah. I was like, why isn't the guy who was just fixing that robot fixing it to show me how smart he is? Yeah. Why am we, we getting uh, Jim Brewer as the, the, the grasshopper yeah. hitting, smacking it with a, a, a wrench? Yeah. And like, why are all the aliens exaggerated versions of animals and insects from Earth? Lazy. Yeah. It's just lazy. Like, I and like, I, I, I mean, I guess I'm supposed to just accept that. I know it's the year 3028 or whatever. Why is why can we explain the the the, the walrus that lives with everybody on yeah. Earth? So you get like Tone Look playing tech and his character's not overly exaggerated. But yeah, he's where did he come from? Yeah. As soon as that started, I'm like, wait, is he like a human experiment gone wrong? Is he an alien? Yeah. So human have like that's something you could have easily thrown into that opening narration. Yeah. But the opening narration makes it seem like humanity hasn't even left Earth yet. Yeah. But clearly they had. I, I Yes. I, I think you need to. I mean, uh, we always hate saying it's voiceovers, but you need something to explain the world to us. Yeah. I, I, you just do. See, I don't mind movies like this that are going to be like, we're going to throw you into our universe real quick. Mm-hmm. And you get those kind of the title cards, even if it's just music and you just get like words that fade in and fade out. Don't make it go on for too long. But, you know. Two or three paragraphs or, so, or not paragraphs, two or three sentences that explain we've been to the stars. We've already made contact, uh, but our greatest invention is still yet to be like something like that. Or or you start off with Kale and the space junkyard and he he has for some reason forgotten all about what has happened. And you discover all this stuff as he discovers it, where he is really from Earth and where he, there is the savior. For, you can build That's another true, planet. like Akima like, doesn't remember. Right. Like yeah. you don't like there's you can't just start off with, OK, we, we you've introduced everything, but you really haven't introduced the the entire universe. Plop him right down in the universe and, and make him somebody who is down on his luck and is a loser and he's never he, he's not special and he's not going to hold the key, which he holds the key in his hand, like any of that stuff. And, right. And he doesn't know it so that when he discovers it, we discover it. And, you know, because like when Corso shows up, you kind of know he's going to turn heel. Like everything is so transparent in this movie. And it's just very tough for me to root for anybody in this. Like, <laughs> I don't like Kale in the beginning. I'm just like, God, you're so overtly annoying and yeah, he's, such a jerk it's he's like just ugh. a dick at the beginning yeah. like right from the start um i do like the opening though i like that the movie starts kind of with a bang it, it, it moves quick 
you don't get a slow opening. It's like, here's humanity and here's the aliens are going to blow everything up. I think I thought that moved kind of quick, kind of reminded me of the beginning of the 2009 Star Trek movie. Okay, yeah. Where it kind of starts with this big action sequence that well, makes you really, excited to that's watch. That's a really good opening. <laughs> no, I, I know. That's a fantastic opening. That, that opening got uh, Chris Hemsworth Thor. Yes. <laughs> that opening is one of the best film openings in any like action or sci-fi movie. Absolutely. But I think that this movie, like that's what it was attempting. And I think in, in some parts it, it succeeds. Because I was like, oh, wow, okay, we're getting into it right away. Mm-hmm. But I do think... There's you could have used another minute or two to start it. You definitely can start a movie like that. But yeah. You need to be better starting a movie like that. Don't have the walrus start them. Uh, <laughs> the, yeah. You, you had to explain the one alien that you see when there's no other aliens. Uh, something. Give me something. Did you <laughs> notice the Death Star in the movie? I did. It's in the uh, the, uh, the Drifter colony, colony. The Drifter yep. colony. Yep. 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 I was looking for other ships when I was like, oh, that's the Death Star. I'm looking around for other ships. I go. Oh, you should have hidden like a ton of ships. That that should all be made of. Uh, well, I wonder if they have. Well, they probably don't. They probably have to have permission. You talk about hide yeah. all the Star Wars ships. Yeah, hide a whole bunch of different. Like, oh, the Enterprise part of the Enterprise, yeah. or oh, that's this ship. I thought that that would have been cool. Did you think Kale's dad looked like he should have been from Johnny Quest? Yes, I thought he looked way too safari. <laughs> when he first appeared, I'm like, that's not a scientist. He's hunting <laughs> lions. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of stiff, I was so annoyed when they were using the guns on Titan and she's just screaming all the time. Her character is very, very annoying. <laughs> and they're, and her and Goon are very stupid because they don't realize like he when he hits Goon and like, we're gonna follow it, yeah. don't you realize that these guys are up to no good? Like At that point, it should be OK, because there's no way stiff couldn't take them both out. Yeah, I didn't get that. They're leaving. Oh, they want to get there first. We're going to find them. It's like, clearly these are the bad guys. You're working for the bad guys. <laughs> and um, I know I know, I know this note is, is a direct reference to The Expanse, but when they leave the ship. Oh, yes. And, and they go into the other. So they're caught in the ship and it's cracking and, and Corso grabs Kale and takes a fire extinguisher and they shoot off into the void of space and shoot into the next. Uh, the ship. Next ship. Yeah. It's like. There's no re- repercussions from being in the, the vacuum of space. <laughs> well, he said exhale on the way out. Yeah, but Ke- I mean, yes. And Kale is under observation because I guess he's, but he's been shot two times. That's part of the reason yeah. why. So it's just like, and I know from the expanse, there's a scene in the expanse where they do that. And they're just like, she gets messed up. And it's oh, only yeah. like, what, 10 seconds, maybe? Well, the, well no, for her, it's like 20. Is it seconds. 20? Okay, yeah, yeah, she's like, because she's got to open the door. Yeah. But yeah, your blood vessels expand in your eyes and you start to freeze. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, but yeah there should be a scene where they're both in the med bag. Yes. Check up. Yeah. But I did like that it was realistic. I'm like, well, that would, you wouldn't die. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't going to like it, but you're not going to be dead right away. Right, right. How about the lack of ease that the dredge are able to be killed? The dredge. And they don't have hyperspeed. They don't have, they can't chase after at some point when they escape into the ship. I think that's that moment. And right. Akima hyper loops or hyperspeeds or whatever warp speeds out. They're just kind of like, like you don't have that capability. You're pure energy. They probably don't know where they're going. You're pure energy. The whole universe is made of energy. I mean, <laughs> you, you can't figure out a way. I can't track them at warp. <laughs> That's an old Star Trek thing. <laughs> but I thought the dredge, the dredge are cool in that they're energy and that they're uh, a technology based, you know, alien, which is interesting. It's different. But why are you killing them with energy weapons then? Why, how are they not disappearing and reappearing? They seem to just come and go at will. Yeah. I didn't understand that. I didn't understand 
the need for Kale to open up the the doors with his two fingers. Oh, I didn't get that at all. Like, what the heck was that? Like, I don't understand that. I don't get why two fingers is different than one finger. Your polar like, there's no explanation. It's like, oh, it's two different polarities. It's like that's not how electricity works. No, it's not. Uh, no. And then the use, like, if they're all energy beings, why did Dredge need to get on a ship? Why aren't Dredge? the ship why don't they just become the ship mm -hmm. they wouldn't pilot it like a human pilots and that's this is a cartoon so i you kind of excuse that but it's also a grown-up movie yeah no, so those kind of plot holes i'm just like, ah, like i want to not wonder about that but it's also not necessarily just for kids i i, I think we have to get over both of us watching these movies we have to get over the fact that we're we're and i do it all the time i did it probably 20 minutes ago making excuses for the movie when it's for children because again I'm going to go back. I mean, like maybe we have to get over that and understand that, you know, you're still hold to the same. You're still storytelling. Right. You're still telling a story, regardless if it's for children or adults, you still have to tell it well. Yeah. And especially this movie, if you want to toe the line, then you need to explain these plot holes. Right. Because no adult's going to watch this with plot holes like that mm -hmm. or with without any kind of explanation of things. I think that kids would be if this is geared toward boys, boys would be as into it. If you explained all that thing, had more action and had less goon and stiff. Um, at least in the or, way they're or designed. Use, or use them more. Use them more yeah. different, yes. And just had a little bit more action. Been a little darker or just more action moments. You know, you've already got moments like Akima in her bathrobe taking a shower or checking out oh, Kale when he's right. naked. I totally in there, forgot that. In there. Yeah. Oh, the shower that dresses her as well. Animated butt. <laughs> no, yeah, I forgot that. Where's that probe going? <laughs> Jeez. I totally forgot that. Uh, so, I mean, I know I asked this, but I think I kind of know why we why we think this is forgotten because it's just not very good. <laughs> See, I don't think it's not very good. I think it has a lot of problems, uh, a lot of problems. But when I was watching this, I was like, this isn't as bad as I remember when I was a kid. Because when I was a kid, I remember watching this and going, oh, it was all right. And just forgetting about it completely as this is forgotten cinema. <laughs> But when we were doing, when we we're thinking about summer movies and we were putting these on the list and obviously we like to have a family or a kids movie every once a season. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we, well, you know, what we try. We don't have to. Right. <laughs> I was, I was trying to, I remember the big push for this movie. Mm -hmm. So I remember that being the thing I thought would be interesting to talk about, which turns out that's most of this podcast. <laughs> but, but I think that there is a good movie in here and it was, it's probably to the, and Obviously, the directors, all the people working on it have the ability to put out a good film. And I think the fact that most of the budget went to the well, I, I don't know. When we talk about the budget, I imagine that 30 million is still part of that. What they say the budget was for the film. Oh, right? yeah. It's probably part of the seven. I'm sure this wasn't slated to be a 75 million dollar movie. They just ended up being a 75 million. So right, right. money could have gone elsewhere. They could have had more time with it. Like we talked about. I think, I think, I think the biggest thing is the time issue. Yeah, I think they they could have made. A good movie and it's unfortunate that it's not but i think it is like you said it could be revisited it's a great concept well and that there things about this movie right. that do work but a lot of it the pieces are stronger than i think the whole for sure well this is a prime this is a prime example of a movie where when people talk about remakes and reboots i know they remake and reboot proven commodity ips ips that are uh, oh this movie did well so if we remake it it will still do well but the idea of remakes should be about fixing the stuff you got wrong right and so this is the titan a is a prime example of a movie that you didn't give it enough time you didn't give the creators enough time 
the technology and the advancements in animation I've, have increased exponentially where you could do this story justice the way you wanted to do it. Why not go back and revisit it and do it the right way and give it to somebody that can do something with it, what you wanted to in the beginning. Right. I mean, there are so many outlets now you could put this on. I mean, it's Fox now you could put this on Disney plus, I mean, go back and, and redo it the right way. That's what a remake should be. It shouldn't be, let's do something that was a huge box office success because, Hey, it's going to be a huge box office success. Again, we can't do real wrong. Right. Don't do that. Do a movie that you got wrong in the beginning and remake it. So I will be completely okay with if they remade this or they remade this into a six part series or like, you know, they, what, whatever, whatever they right. wanted to do. It's, it's the IP is good enough and the story is good enough where you can definitely go back and, and, and do something really, really well with it. Yeah, for sure. I also think that the movies that were really released around the time are going to kill it as well. All these different animated movies gone in 60 seconds. Is That's that's what dudes want to watch. Well, animation has gotten so has has gotten so much better from from 20 years ago. And there's mm-hmm. so many more outlets now uh, with the streaming, with the with the streaming wars that we're in right now. And just kids are what drive the box office. And they're definitely going to drive the box office after the uh, after, you know, we return to some kind of normal after the pandemic because they're going to want to go see movies. Kids always that's why every that's why in the summer uh, at the movie theater, that's what I was about to say when I was at the movie. I know I didn't. didn't. (laughs) So that's why every summer at the movie theater, you know, every week is almost a new kids movie or every month has a big, big kids movie. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's because they they, though they go the kids want to go to the theater because parents are looking for things to do with the kids. Oh, the new movie's out. Let's go there. The, every weekend, the parents are always like, we got to find something to do with the kids. I Trust me. I understand. I know this. I have three kids. <laughs> so that's why there's, I, th- I think there's definitely an opportunity for this type of film to be out there. And I, I, I think, I think it could be done better. I, I just do. I think it, it, you know, and almost, it almost feels like it deserves a better, another shot. You know what sure. I mean? And again, I don't blame anyone in this movie, uh, maybe except the studio, because you didn't give the people the necessary time to finish it. I don't think I think they didn't really believe in Fox Animation Studio to begin with. I think this movie was like their last hope. They saw stuff going wrong and they were just like, you know what? This is not what we want to do. I think they probably knew they were going to go to things like Blue Sky and stuff and and have third parties make their films. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that was always right. The writing on the wall here. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you didn't absolutely hate this movie. I don't absolutely hate films, brother. You absolutely hate some films. Look, you didn't. You didn't. Not like this film. I'm glad that you saw some some parts that worked in this film because I honestly didn't remember much at all about this movie. Right. So I, I like that it wasn't a straight up just like we both went because <laughs> I really came out. This is one of the films that I watched when I was really young and I didn't remember much about it. So let's take a moment, I guess, to well, let's do let's this is the last episode of the Forgotten Summer series but before we get into what i want to get into how about we do some quick plugs let's not go crazy in terms of what we do we know every at the end last episode every year we like to every season excuse me we like to just kind of let you know like what we are doing personally um so go ahead you go first but like you know let's keep it brief (laughs) (laughs) i've got two other podcasts i do for forgotten entertainment i've got two player bros and cracking one open two player bros about two guys who play way too many video games join me and my buddy dave sometimes my brother alex where we talk about all things video game related pc vr playstation xbox nintendo we have it all we play it all 
check us out wherever you get your podcasts or at ForgottenEntertainment.com. Crack one open. It's a podcast with my fiance Elise, where we uh, crack open a different craft beer every episode. We talk about the brewery, the history of the beer, the beer style, what's in the beer, and then we go over our tasting notes. So if you want to learn more about beer with us, join us on Crack One Open. That's available on ForgottenEntertainment.com or wherever you get your podcasts as well. And then please buy my books on Audible. Uh, <laughs> look up Michael Butler. I've got books, Sour, Coffee at Midnight, uh, the Murder of Kelly Christopher, The Final Girl, Switch Art Fraud and Gangsters. These movies range from, or these books range from, you know, British gangster books that I do accents for, Sour I do Southern accents for. It's like an Evil Dead meets a Southern fairy tale. And the other books are mostly all horror books. The Final Girl is like an 80s slasher movie come to life. It's all pretty cool. Check me out. Check out those books. I don't make money on those books unless you buy them. So please help me. Help me. That's so Evil Dead with Southern Fairy Tale, is that like uh True Blood? It's a little bit more cabin in the woodsy than True Blood. Okay. It's more like an evil witch, unlike creatures and stuff like that. Right, right, right. Uh I have a book out, uh well, it's a novella, uh Paradox. It's on Amazon. You can get it at the Kindle store or uh you can get it in paperback. Uh I've also have a short film, No Parapo, who which is in uh festivals right now, or a couple fests. Uh I don't even know if I'm going to them yet. But uh that's about it. Uh I wanna I'm gonna I'm gonna hype up Forgotten Entertainment. So we have a bunch of uh shows on Forgotten Entertainment right now, not just our shows, not just the two shows that Mike said, two PB and uh Crack One Open. We also have Bohemian Geek Studies, uh, the Nomcast. Uh, yet another DC animated podcast, yet another Star Wars podcast, and on the QT, which we did with uh, our friends at Pana Comics. That's going on now, actually. They're all are. Yeah. Well, d- yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, it's going on right now, as you said. Nice yeah. job. But um, yeah, so check them out. That's at ForgottenEntertainment.com. Uh, they're obviously on all the uh, podcast portals out there. So, you know, you can find them. Uh, you know, it's not just us, it's a bunch of other people, and there's a, nice, a lot of other. A good voice talent out there that uh, we're working with. So uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Good people, nice good, people, nice people. Salt to the earth. So now, yeah, now that we're done with the plugs, Butler, I wanted to, I guess, maybe have a little retrospect of what you thought of our forgotten summer season. Ooh, so I don't, I don't know, like what you, if you have any thoughts. Um, I always like doing theme seasons. I think they're cool. Um, I don't know if everybody else thinks like I love doing <laughs> the forgotten. I love doing the forgotten horror horror season. I like when we kind of find some Christmas stuff, mm-hmm. although that's kind of hard. Like we say, if it's forgotten and it's Christmas. Christmas, usually it's because it's really bad right um but i i do like these theme seasons i liked this summer season because i think we picked out some movies that we probably wouldn't have done otherwise like breakdown layer cake virtuosity last action hero miami vice those ones even open range and road to perdition it's like we made reasons why they're forgotten and i think that a forgotten summer film is different than a normal forgotten film because there's an expectation. There's an expectation and a different reason that they were forgotten than I think a lot of the other films we do. But you also brought up interesting summer films that I think a lot of your selections were films that you noticed because you watch pretty much a bajillion films a year. I do. Like Croupier and stuff Too that much. I would never have watched. Even though I didn't like Croupier, I would never have watched or known about that movie if you didn't bring it up. Nice. Because it was just hidden in the summer. So I think that's really cool as well. Maybe though you're completely wrong about how that's not I'm good. not completely wrong. <laughs> you, that's are, you, you are wrong. You are. You are absolutely <laughs> wrong. Uh, I don't know if we'd go back to doing Forgotten Summer because it was kind of a stretch to get those, like in terms of it being a theme season. That might be a one and done theme season. I'm not sure. Uh, we have a couple more from our list that were Forgotten Summer. But yeah, I don't know if we well, can do a whole. I can see us doing Forgotten Summer for a month. Yeah, a July one. Yeah, yeah, I don't think we can like find that. 13 more yeah. FSs. <laughs> Much like our season 10 upcoming, which we are going to be. That is the the last four of season 10 are going to be a Forgotten Horror. 
I was going to kind of give you some titles that we're doing next season, but I might as well. So Tease them out. You, what? Tease them out. <laughs> so we're going to be doing some, uh, just to give you a couple uh, movies that we're doing in, in the upcoming 13 weeks for season 10. Uh, we're going to do Scotland, PA. Uh, I don't know why we're doing U.S. Marshals. But we're doing that. Because uh, it's good <laughs> and you don't like it. We're actually doing, this is the first time, even though The Last Seduction was on HBO initially and then it was in theaters we're actually going to be doing a movie in season 10 that never came out in theaters i'm pretty sure it's just an hbo movie which is citizen x which is about a serial killer in russia which i i really like that movie so i'm interested if butler likes that but we're also obviously going to be uh doing uh, forgotten horror uh, i'll give you two of those titles just so you can get like, a little tease there we're doing like 30 days of night and uh let's scare jessica to death so you know we're gonna kind of uh do a couple of these things and all those podcasters that heard us don't you copy i'm just kidding <laughs> i'm just kidding but next week we're going to kick off season 10. We're going to the 80s, 1987. Woo, that's when I was born. To watch a movie starring Michael J. Fox. He's got my first name. And it's not Back to the Future. It's oh. The Secret of My Success. That is next week. Forgotten Cinema Season 10 starts with The Secret of My Success. And uh, that's all I got. So uh, until then, I am Mike Field. I'm Mike Butler. And this has been Forgotten Summer. The end. <laughs> Feeling hot, hot, hot. I don't know. Uh, not, yeah, you don't know. Do, 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 do you want me to do it again so you can do it again? No, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, do it again. Hold on. Yeah, do it again. Okay, I got another one. So until then, I am Mike Field. I'm Mike Butler. And this has been Forgotten Cinema, Forgotten Summer. I'm going to jump in your pool right now. It's closed. I'm jumping in your pool. It's closed. Open it. It's disgusting. Pool party? <laughs> <laughs>